Good morning. This is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9, 10 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It is August the 16th, 2019. And this is episode 127 of Bitcoin and let's start with community news. Try Lolly at Try Lolly on uh, Twitter and the Lolly folks, one of my favorite Bitcoin companies, is about to celebrate their first birthday. So everybody congratulate Lolly for existing in one of the roughest environments in the world for almost a year. This will be coming up. We're going to read their blog post after I swill some coffee. Because everything runs on coffee. <clears throat> let, let the coffee flow through you, bro. Okay, um, so let's get into their Lolly's blog post here. Uh, Aubrey Strobel, I think she is, pretty sure she is chief of communications. She's writing as of yesterday on a blog post, on Lolly's blog post, or Lolly, <laughs> sorry, blog.lolly.com. Uh, mark your calendars, Thursday, August the 22nd is Lolly's first birthday. We can't believe it's been a year since we launched and started helping people earn Bitcoin when they shop online. Time flies when you're stacking sats. Nice, nice. Today we are announcing lolly birthday parties all across the country. Decentralized future for the win. We want to encourage people all across the country to get together in person and talk about the power of Bitcoin. We're paying for free food, drinks, cake, and Bitcoin-related prizes as a huge thank you to our loyal users who have volunteered to host meetups in their community to celebrate our one year. And more importantly, celebrate Bitcoin adoption. See below for a list of Lolly meetup locations taking place on August the 22nd, which is Thursday. If you have a local Bitcoin meetup and are and are interested in hosting a Lolly birthday party in your city, it's not too late. Send an email to birthday at lolly.com with your name, desired location, and venue. Okay, so here's the location so far. Um, and everything is like, you know, this is all, they've all got RSVPs on it. So this is, you know, RSVP links to them. So uh, New York is going to be at Short Stories. Looks like Durham, North Carolina is going to be tentatively at Kotoku Surf Club. Uh, Los Angeles uh, at the Angel City Brewery, Miami at Blockchain Center, uh, Chicago, uh, everything's to be decided. Washington, D.C. is at the Midlands. San Francisco, everything's to be decided. Same with Las Vegas. Minneapolis is going to be at the uh, Prees Brewing Company, P-R-Y-E-S. Memphis, Tennessee is going to be at the UMRF Research Park. Orange County in Anaheim, California is going to be at Golden Road Brewing, Anaheim. Cleveland uh, is going to be at Beauty Shop. Columbus is going to be at North High Brewing. That's, of course, Columbus, Ohio. San Diego is going to be over at uh, 9540 Town Center Drive. 
Portland, Oregon is going to be at Flying Pie Pizzeria, and that's all that has been announced so far. And she reminds us, Aubrey reminds us again, if you have a local Bitcoin meetup and are interested in hosting a lolly birthday party, it's not too late. Send your email to birthday at lolly.com. Again, that is birthday.lolly.com. All right. Uh, the, <laughs> the next one, I don't know who made it, but it's coming out of a Twitter account at JL. J Luciano one 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 one. That's B J L U C I A N O one 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 one, and all he put up was a um, uh, a, a little video of XRP zombies holding giant bags, walking across what appears to be a very hot, lo- you know, baked lava bed catching on fire, struggling under the weight of their their bags with music. I'd play it, but you're not going to get anything out of it because there's no there's no vocals. It's just sound effects and the sounds of groaning and and horrible things going on in the background, but man, if you have not seen this thing, it is freaking hilarious. So, again, you can uh, if you go scan this was he put this up at 5:51 p.m. August the 14th. So at J Luciano one 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 five. Look for a tweet around five fifty one p.m. and you'll you'll find it. It's and it's God. It's so freaking worth it. All right, no transition. We're going to go right into the morning roundup. Uh, looks like China national currency turns out not being an actual crypto. This is Julia Magus writing for Coin Telegraph about like a half an hour ago. The People's Bank of China has completed the development of a prototype for issuing a national cryptocurrency, as Cointelegraph reported on August the 11th. As it turned out, it will be powered by a two-tier operating system, which, however, will not be fully decentralized. The fact that China is close to issuing state digital money, which for the past three years has been on the tongues of local authorities, was revealed at China Finance 40 the forum dedicated to policy research on Chinese economics and finance. Speaking at the event, PBOC Deputy Director Mu Chengchen didn't disclose the details of the development and the release date, though expressed his belief that digital currency will replace cash and other cryptocurrencies and will also help increase the turnover of the yuan or renminbi in the world. The statement on the high level of readiness to issue the new cryptocurrency was made soon after PBOC representatives announced their intention to speed up the process of creating the state's digital money on August the 2nd. According to authorities, the new currency will be able to bypass trade sanctions imposed by the United States and will also increase investment flows into the country. One can only hope. Some analysts suggest that after the United States announced an increase of trade tariffs for Chinese goods, foreign investors rushed to exchange renminbi for more reliable assets, e.g. gold, and other currencies, including Bitcoin, which grew by $3,000 to almost $12,000 at the beginning of August. The media also attributes China's decision to create its state digital money to the active promotion of Facebook's Libra cryptocurrency. In July, Wang Zin, head of the PBOC Research Bureau, said that Libra threatens the international monetary system and countries should develop their their digital currency to prevent the negative economic consequences. Other authorities express the need to strengthen the national currency through the issuance of digital money. It may 
It is also known that local commercial institutions and corporations such as Alibaba, I never can pronounce it right, and Tencent may be involved in the process. Some of them have already agreed to participate in the project. As follows from the patents, individuals and entrepreneurs will be able to download mobile wallets and exchange their yuan for digital currency and then make payments with it. At the same time, the Chinese Central Bank will take full control over all operations Hot debates caused by the Chinese government's announcement regarding the development of its own cryptocurrency, which is not a cryptocurrency, have resulted in even more questions arising. Most of all, users were interested in how soon they would see a new currency in action and how China would be able to create a whole decentralized system necessary for its functioning at a short notice, because they're not. As it turns out, the emission of the future cryptocurrency will be carried out through a two-level system, with the People's Bank of China being at the top level. The secondary level will be taken by commercial banks, as Mu emphasized during a speech at China Finance 40. Quote, this two-tier system is suitable for our national conditions. It can use existing resource, resources to support and develop commercial banks and smoothly promote digital currency, end quote. At the same time, blockchain will be used only partially. He made three arguments in favor of this decision based on the following reasons. China is a complex economy with a vast territory and large population, which implies possible difficulties in the mass transition to the new technology. China's central bank also proposes the two-tier operating structure to improve the accessibility of the proposed cryptocurrency and the smoother commissioning of future digital assets. Well, that's weird. Second, <clears throat> a two-tier structure will fully engage the resources, talents, and technological advantages of commercial organizations, promote innovation, and aid in the fight for t- technological superiority. Superiority. Thirdly, the use of a single-tier operating architecture architecture may reduce the role of banks in the financial services chain. Mu added that within such a framework, China's central bank will directly interact with the population on issues related to digital currency, which will negatively affect the ability of commercial banks to lend and will reduce their competitiveness. This may lead to increased prices and social financing costs as well as damage to the real economy. Negative public sentiment has seemingly continued to worsen as new details leaked on the internet. Many entrepreneurs, bloggers, and crypto enthusiasts opine the new cryptocurrency would be used for tracking users' data or controlling their funds. Maddie Greenspan, senior analyst at eToro, expressed a similar view on China Central Bank's new initiative. Quote, They want a greater level of control and surveillance. This will give them a bit more hands-on authority. This currency is not designed to give people financial freedom like other forms of crypto, but rather to provide the Chinese government with a way to monitor transactions, end quote. The blogger, Ben York, devoted an entire article to expose the future Chinese cryptocurrency in which he cited five facts confirming why, quote, China probably isn't opening up to digital currencies, end quote. There is nothing public at all. In essence, the creation of a cryptocurrency implies the use of blockchain technology and accordingly the involvement of experienced organizations. At the same time, the Chinese central bank intends to use a private chain that will operate on fully controlled private nodes. York refers to the payment systems Alipay and WeChat Pay, which have almost completely replaced traditional or Chinese traditional payment methods. In 2018, they processed 57 billion transactions at almost 1,800 transactions per second, which is higher than the bandwidth of uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Ripple, and EOS. 
In addition, the author notes that the absolute absence of anonymity in such systems users' information is tied to the wallet address, which means that it is controlled by the developers. As a final argument, York says that the main goal of the PBOC is not to make cross-border payments transactions easier, but to restrict local banks' access to loans and shadow banking. Probably in an attempt to resolve public concerns, PBOC members said they would take measures to prevent an overrepresentation. Yeah, of digital currency and as a result, the manipulations involved to ensure that the PBOC's digital currency isn't overrepresented, commercial institutions will transfer the full transaction amount 100% reserved to the People's Bank of China. <laughs> Thus, the new cr- cryptocurrency will remain central. Mu added that the future currency doesn't pay interest on cash, it will not trigger financial disintermediation, and it will not have a big impact on the existing real economy. In addition, all current regulations on cash management, anti-money laundering, and counterterrorism financing should be observed. Overall, it's too <clears throat> sorry. <clears throat> Overall, the soon-to-be-created national currency raises more questions and doubts in the eyes of the community over the true goals of its creation. China may be able to use its crypto to attract and deter investors affected by the United States-China trade war, as well as use an additional argument in its dispute with Washington. However, it is still unknown whether the currency will be able to seriously compete with decentralized coins such as Bitcoin. The question of the timelines also remains open. According to Greenspan, the central bank statement might be interpreted not quite correctly. Quote, this wouldn't be difficult for the Chinese government to put out in a week or two. This is This has more to do with political power. Capital controls are very tight in China, and they want to keep a strong eye on money supply. So what they probably mean when they say it's ready to go is that they simply have the willpower to put it out. That's kind of an interesting take. Uh, So, yeah, uh, looks like China's on the brink of doing, I don't know. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. It's kind of stupid. And if it's going to be that centralized, then I hope they have safeguards, you know, for the inevitable hack. Cause this is, I mean, that's just a huge ass. That's a pretty big honeypot when you get right down to it. That's a big ass honeypot. I don't know. Maybe it will actually take some of the pressure off of, you know, off of us and having all these, you know, these hacks done at Binance and whatnot like that. But eh, don't hold your breath on that. Still, this is going to be bad no matter what happens, because if your identity is directly tied to your wallet and you can't use a wallet without, you know, handing over extreme KYC AML stuff, then they're going to know exactly where you were, exactly what you bought, when you bought it, and you can't buy anything else. And this is, uh, again, this is why I Bitcoin. This is exactly why I Bitcoin. So whatever. (laughs) All right, next up, Cointelegraph's uh, Colin Post is writing Coinbase custody by Zappo institutions, continuing rapid expansion. This was put out sometime yesterday. Coinbase custody has reportedly acquired Zappo's institutional businesses to become the world's largest crypto custodian by assets under custody. Major crypto exchange Coinbase announced the news in a post on the company's blog August 15th. The news follows Rapid growth on the part of Coinbase's year-old custodial wing, which only two months ago reported assets under custody valued at $1.3 billion U.S. According to the announcement, the new acquisition puts Coinbase custody 
uh, assets under custody at seven billion. So wow, that's a, that's kind of three x and right there. Zappo is itself a major crypto wallet provider who has apparently been in negotiations with Coinbase Custody over the sale of his institution's business since the middle of May this year. The announcement claims that Coinbase Custody now stores on behalf of more than 120 clients in 14 different countries. In affirming the company's commitment to its institutional services, Coinbase wrote, quote, Our institutional range of products provides a seamless, powerful, and compliant ecosystem for our clients to trade, store, and interact with their crypto. It's Coinbase, y'all. Run away. Earlier this month, Cointelegraph reported that Coinbase Custody had added experts in New York banking regulations to its board of directors, suggesting plans to expand in the notoriously tough regulatory environment of New York State. In July, Coinbase CEO Brian Armstrong said in an AMA session that he hoped to see Coinbase shift its focus from trading to broader adoption within the economy in the next five years. As of press time, Coinbase had not responded to Cointelegraph's request for comment. Y'all, this is Coinbase. Wrong side of the fork, wrong side of everything. Not a Bitcoin company any longer. Hasn't been for a long time. They are 100% shitcoinery. Industrial, at this point, industrial strength shitcoinery. So this is why Bitcoin... And another reason I Bitcoin is because Max Body's writing for Cointelegraph Dash releases upgrade in response to newly exposed vulnerabilities. Gee, who'd have thunk it, right? Who'd have thunk that crap? All right. Dash has released Dash Core version 0.14.0.3, new version of the wallet, and P2P clients for its cryptocurrency Dash in light of recent transaction spikes on its mainnet. Dashcore announced the news of an, on an, in an official blog post on August 15th. According to the announcement, Dash was hit with either an external stress test or attack on Wednesday and Thursday this week. The post said that the upgrade is strongly recommended for all master nodes and is also recommended for all users, exchanges, partners, and full node operators. The developers subsequently discovered issues including mempools not being emptied, a one megabyte cap on blocks, masternode crashes, masternodes banning other masternodes, and delayed listing of transactions on some blocks. Jeez, what a shit show. Dashcore version 1403 is reportedly designed to address some of these issues and include changes such as improvements to database space use and various signing failures. Near the end of 2018, the United States-based fast food chain restaurant called Church's Chicken began to accept payments in Dash at its South American branches in Venezuela. There are reportedly 10 Church's Chicken restaurants in Venezuela, and all of them decided to accept Dash. Bad move, y'all. At the time of their decision, the restaurant reportedly claimed that it was their first global fast food restaurant to take crypto payments. In a less than savory turn of events, a man in Israel allegedly stole over nine million in Dash from his roommate. Afek Zard allegedly stole seventy-four thousand nine hundred ninety Dash from Alexei Yarmenko, who apparently is is an early cryptocurrency investor that taught his roommate about crypto. Zard has been indicted, standing accused of stealing the assets in Yarkomenko's wallets and transferring them to his own address. In addition to the theft, he has been additionally accused of money laundering and penetration of a computer to commit offense. That dude is going to fry for that last one. <laughs> yes, he is. Uh, yeah, churches, you really need to rethink this whole dash thing uh, in light of the fact that, oh, I don't know, masternodes are crashing and 
what else did it say? Delay listing of transactions on some blocks. I, it, it, it's bad. Don't, don't use this shit. Use something that actually works and continues to work and has been working for 10 years. And now we've got lightning. So there's no reason for BSV. There's no reason for BCH. There's no reason for any of this shit. And if you want to make a huge transaction on chain because you're buying a house, fine. That kind of shit is what this is built for. But like buying a leg of chicken, just use lightning. Come on, man. It's not, it's not all that difficult. Come on. Bitcoin magazines. Uh, let's see. Oh, there's no author on this. So I guess it's coming from the editorial core or something. Wait, wait, hold on. Hold on. Let me make sure I like, I want to make sure I give proper attribution because I don't write these things. Nope. This is apparently Bitcoin magazine writing as Bitcoin magazine. As regional adoption grows, Bitcoin leads the way for Columbia. According to a July 2019 survey conducted by Paxful, a peer-to-peer Bitcoin exchange serving Latin America, more than 86% of Colombians surveyed indicated familiarity with cryptocurrency and Bitcoin is leading the way. According to Paxful data shared with Bitcoin Magazine, the online public survey garnered 1,011 total participants. Of these, 94% were between the ages of 18 and 54. Participants skewed 62% female. It was conducted with support from Toluna Insights. More than 79% of the respondents indicated that they were familiar with Bitcoin, while privacy-focused Bitcoin came in second place. That's interesting. With less than 4% of respondents indicating familiarity, only 6.43% of respondents said that they had invested in cryptocurrency in the past, but more than 80% signaled that they were open to doing so. All told, the survey results paint a picture of increasing willingness by Colombians to adopt cryptocurrency with a clear bent toward Bitcoin. Now, see, the Colombians know what's up. Quote, one major highlight from the survey is that 91% of the respondents agreed with the notion that digital currencies will mark the future of world trade. Ray Youssef, the the CEO and founder of Paxful, said, quote, this served as a greater indicator of what the future of cryptocurrencies could look like for Colombia, end quote. Paxville's bullish survey results are not the only indicator that Colombia is becoming a hotbed for Bitcoin adoption. In May of 2019, the country's weekly local Bitcoin's trading volume reached its all-time high of more than 10.6 billion Colombian pesos, according to Coindance. Ever since, the figure, figure has hovered well above the 6 billion peso mark. Quote, we have seen an interesting increase of over 70% in trades compared to the previous year of 2018, Youssef explained. These numbers also corroborate the results that this study shows us that Bitcoin use is on the rise, end quote. As the next door neighbor of Venezuela, a country whose fiat currency is failing, <laughs> if you, that's not the word I would have chosen, but whatever, and whose own Bitcoin adoption has exploded, it's possible that Colombians' relatively open attitude toward the original cryptocurrency has been influenced by regional factors. Whether the root cause, it's clear that the region is outpacing the rest of the world. That's kind of what I've always been thinking, that Venezuela, South America, and then lower Central American countries are going to be like where you see this shit really fly. Continuing, an April 2019 survey conducted by Bitflyer, for instance, found that 
Only 49% of European respondents indicated a belief that Bitcoin will exist in 10 years' time. Another April 2019 survey conducted on behalf of Blockchain Capital found that only 60% of surveyed Americans aged 18 to 34 years and 50% of those aged 35 to 44 years were somewhat familiar with Bitcoin. Quote, Columbia is currently experiencing a crucial moment in the crypto industry, Youssef said. Curiosity turns into adoption as more and more people find this type of currency to be an interesting and productive way to exchange their money. And that is what is currently happening in Colombia. So, yeah, adoption happens. And I, I like that. Curiosity turns into adoption. Man, how many of us have been right there? It's like, oh, hey, look at this. And then all of a sudden you, you've fallen down the rabbit hole. And then the next thing you know, you're a year into a podcast. I, I, you know, my God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Walmart files patent for blockchain-backed drone communication. This is out of Coindesk's William Foxley, writing August the 14th. Walmart has reasserted its interest in blockchain-backed drones with a recent patent application. The commerce giant filed for an application entitled Cloning Drones Using Blockchain in January 2019 with the United States Patent and Trademark Office publishing the patent on August the 1st. The patent for an unmanned aerial vehicle blockchain-based coordination system was... <laughs> Sorry, it's hard to read shit like this without laughing. Published the same day as Walmart's digital currency patent application. This is so hard. The application is not Walmart's first foray into blockchain-backed drone tech. In 2017, Walmart sought a patent for a blockchain-based drone package delivery system, among other applications. According to the patent, blockchain technology is used to transmit information. You don't need a blockchain for that. Like drone identification numbers, flight heights, flight speeds, flight routes, battery information, or loading capacity to other drones. Information can be shared based on on the intermediate location between drones. The benefit of blockchain technology, the patent claims, lies in data integrity. A blockchain ledger may store any kind of, oh, sorry, quote, a blockchain ledger may store any kind of information that may be stored in any other format or medium. For example, a large list of instructions of different types, navigational information, and maps. In such a way, a same software profile may be deployed across the cloned drones. End quote. The application joins a host of other UAV applications by the commerce giant, with most describing a delivery service of sorts. Coordination and communication are also listed as valuable uses by encrypting data on a decentralized ledger. Operational parameters can be executed without fear of being compromised. Patent application publishing and patent issuance are not the same, however. The patent applications is the first step in a long application process. Walmart's interest in blockchain technology caught most by surprise earlier this month with a patent publishing for a cryptocurrency not unlike Facebook's Libra. You know what I find the most interesting thing about this? Uh, it certainly isn't the whole blockchain thing. You, uh, you just need a, a, a database for this kind of thing, and you need to you know you need to protect it. But I mean, come on, you don't need a blockchain for this. Outside of that. If we have like a whole bunch of drones flying around doing package deliveries, if you were to strap like a GoTenna mat, you know, or not strap, but uh, in, integrate GoTenna mesh into each one of those drones, think about that. All right, moving on. <clears throat> we have uh, Colin Harper writing for Bitcoin Magazine. 
uh, August the 14th, Open Node and Ben Strike Educational Partnership to Spur Lightning Adoption. Bitcoin Payment Services Service and Lightning Technology Company Open Node has entered into a partnership with the Blockchain Education Network, Ben in an effort to encourage Lightning Network adoption and education. Quote, OpenNode has plans to curate a curriculum that will empower any student interested in, become, in building on the block, Bitcoin blockchain with the Lightning Network, OpenNode CEO Afnan Rahman told Bitcoin Magazine. Ben is active at some of the United States' most notable academic institutions, such as Harvard, MIT, Columbia University, Stanford, Johns Hopkins, and Yale. The partnership will tap into Ben's network of 2,300 students across 200 universities in the United States, Italy, and Columbia. Using instructors from its curriculum partner program, Ben will teach students the ins and outs of Bitcoin and Lightning Network integrations, covering how to launch payment portals through OpenNode's infrastructure. For its part, OpenNode will provide funding through its corporate social responsibility initiative. The program will encourage students to take what they've learned to their local communities to convince merchants to accept Bitcoin by integrating the Lightning Network. In return for the efforts, students may be rewarded with conference passes and have their express to Ben sponsored events paid or expenses, sorry, have their expenses to Ben sponsored events paid. Quote, with this initiative, we hope to see students all around the world pushing for Bitcoin adoption at their universities and surrounding local businesses. Ooh, nice nodal network formation there, guys. Uh, Raman told Bitcoin Magazine, quote, with more world-renowned universities adopting Bitcoin, we are sure to see a growing network effect around the Lightning Network soon. Eric Pinos, Ben's president, told us that the, that the education network, quote, has a longstanding tradition of partnering with key industry leaders to provide blockchain resources for their community through Ben's online curriculum and other resources, <coughs> quote, or end quote, adding that Open Node's similar mission, uh, similar missions and goals made this a clear partnership opportunity. Pinos said, continued to say that people need an unbiased education they can trust when learning about Bitcoin, stressing that students in areas where cryptocurrencies are stigmatized or outright banned risk falling behind students in more privileged countries who have access to the proper resources. Quote, we are in the very, very early stages of awareness and adoption. In some countries, Bitcoin is considered illegal or a scam. Education is vital in order to avoid misconceptions and minimize risk, end quote. But in Ben's view, a given country's attitude toward Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies at large shouldn't prohibit its citizens from learning about the technology. Partnerships like the one with OpenNode will help drive help it drive education even in these regions. Quote, in countries where banks and governments make it difficult to use or own Bitcoin, people risk falling behind the rest of the world who are able to own and use crypto. We believe the future in blockchain and the future we, we believe the future is blockchain and the future is moving with or without you. Education has no regulation, even if Bitcoin is illegal in your country and you are not a developer, the movement is going to continue and anyone can be a part of it. I think that's that's the end of that, but this that's really important. Uh, this is not a fad. I've said it before, I'm gonna say it again, I'll say it a hundred times until I die. It's not a fad. It was it probably had fad status a long time ago, but uh, it's not a fad. That should be readily evident in things like digital currencies coming out of China. Uh, the only way, to, and that was going, and here's the here's the catch, guys. That shit was always going to happen. Society was going to go cashless, 
And it's a scary, scary, scary freaking thing to be in a cashless society where everything is tracked. So even for all those naysayers out there who say, see, that China's going to kill Bitcoin. No, China's not going to kill Bitcoin. Nobody can kill this thing. And everybody is does not. There are so many people that have not a need, but just it's just cringeworthy to think that everything you buy is being tracked now. And I want out of it just for no reason, for no other reason than just that. Nobody needs to know where I bought my coffee. Because at that point, somebody could start, hey, he's buying his coffee too many times at this one spot. And we need to equalize the, 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 the adventure for all entrepreneurs. So we need to make sure that we send this guy coffee advertisements from another coffee place. Could you imagine being bombarded with shit all day long? about trying to get you to equalize your payments across a, a, a business infrastructure, basically. And I could actually get, I could actually see it being harassing that I'm, that I only go to this one coffee shop. I could actually see that occur. It's, it's small and it's probably insignificant, but multiply that by, you know, a factor of a hundred and, you know, a hundred different times where it's like, you're, you're kind of spending too much money at Walmart or God forbid the, the reverse where you're harassed for shopping at a mom and pop place. I don't, this is why, this is why I Bitcoin. All right. Fumble coin. Oh, fumble chain. Meet fumble chain. The deliberately flawed blockchain. This is out of Coindesk. Christine Kim is writing this August the 14th. Fumble chain makes breaking blockchains a sport. <laughs> Demonstrated for the first time last Thursday at the Black Hat InfoSec event, the deliberately flawed technology is meant to act as an education tool for crypto developers. Quote, basically, this is what people call CTF or capture the flag, explained Nils Amit, a senior security engineer at Kudelsky and one of the developers behind the project. Quote, whenever you solve a challenge, that is when you get the flag. The challenges are pretty technical. End quote. Through these curated and gamified challenges, the aim is to teach users about the complexities of blockchain technology. According to Dan Guido, co-founder and CEO of cybersecurity firm Trail of Bits, which has audited over 20 different cryptocurrency projects, FumbleChain is similar to the war games used in traditional software development. Quote, competitions and training exercises are used throughout the security industry, sometimes in live competitions of 30,000 or more players at one time to help educate and demonstrate the knowledge that participants have gained, end quote, said Guido, adding, quote, it's long overdue for blockchain security to have its own war game, end quote. I kind of, I can't disagree with that. Users collect game points dubbed fumble coins every time they exploit a vulnerability in the fumble chain blockchain and capture one flag. The coins are only of value within the game itself. Kadelsky's Emiet says uh, fumble chain's core technology looks a lot like Bitcoin, only simpler. Daryl Hawk, COO of blockchain cybersecurity company Certike, said fumble chain is actually it's probably Certik but it's Serta with a big K, all one word and whatever said fumble chain is designed to make blockchain approachable for engineers coming from a diverse set of backgrounds. Fumble chain provides a gamified war games model that may interest a broad, broad audience with its approachability and incentives. The project currently focuses on source code level attacks as opposed to economically oriented attacks, but that may be something that is added in the future. Uh, said Hawk, <clears throat> 
Indeed, Kudelski, head of cybersecurity research. Uh, bleh, indeed, Kudelski's head of cybersecurity research, Nathan Hamiel, hopes FumbleChain will take on a life of its own now that the code has been open sourced on GitHub. Sweet. Quote, so many projects like this have a tendency to wither away as people move on to other things, said Hamiel. I feel the only way to have a successful project like this is to have it be open sourced. We're hoping people continue to not only utilize but develop new challenges and really come on board and be part of the project. Wow. <laughs> um, FumbleChain was birthed after Kudelski completed a number of security audits for cryptocurrency projects, including privacy coins, Monero, and Zcash, said Hamiel. The first challenge on FumbleChain simulates what is called a replay attack, which, which, where duplicate transactions are generated on two separate chains. This attack vector was a concern back in 2017 during the chain split between Bitcoin and Bcash. Other blockchain attack vectors identified on FumbleChain include transaction input validation, public key and wallet address mismatch, as well as denial of service or spam attacks. Speaking to those network vulnerabilities, Hemiel said, quote, the blockchain ecosystem has many of the same vulnerabilities that a traditional software ecosystem has. If you think about it at a low level, a blockchain is not very useful without the ecosystem around it, exchanges, wallets, etc., end quote. As such, FumbleChain also offers a browser-based web wallet and blockchain explorer to mess around with, further expanding FumbleChain to include both smart contract challenges and lessons on blockchain privacy are next steps both Hamiel and Amiet hope to see in the months to come. At the very least, says Mark Liebrete, a senior security analyst at WatchGuard Technologies, FumbleChain could have an impact on existing blockchain applications by creating opportunities for hands-on learning. He says, quote, my experience, or experience with identifying and exploiting common vulnerabilities is a great way to learn how to not make the same mistakes yourself. FumbleChain provides an opportunity for developers and enthusiasts to learn about common flaws and play around in a safe ecosystem and then take that knowledge back to their own applications. So there you go. Uh, I love gamifying stuff. If you make a game out of it, I, I believe wholeheartedly that more education in science, math, and stuff like that should actually be done through games rather than the mind-numbing nails on chalkboard model that we have now. Just just saying. Uh, where are we at here? Oh, Landon Manning is writing for Bitcoin Magazine. Uh, see, he's saying Samsung adds Bitcoin support to smartphone wallet application. Now, he's writing this on August the 14th. And I've become aware since then that no, it's not really on the phone. It's they've just put it into their developers thing. Let's let's get into this. Just be aware it's not really in the phone yet. Okay, just so everybody chill out. <clears throat> South Korean tech company Samsung has added full support for Bitcoin through its blockchain key store application. The largest corporation in the country, Samsung has been making piecemeal moves on blockchain and crypto industries over the past year. In February 2019, the company announced that its newest phone, the Samsung Galaxy S10, would include baked-in cryptocurrency wallet support for users to store their private keys, with its only real competitor in the crypto-enabled smartphone business being much smaller companies. This drew a fair deal of fanfare from the crypto community. When the phone first hit the market, however, the wind was a bit deflated from the crypto world's sales as some restrictions became apparent. At launch, it only supported Ethereum and a handful of tokens built on its infrastructure. 
This meant that CryptoKitties and the gaming-focused engine token were fully supported, but there was no love for Bitcoin itself. Assholes. Several months later, Samsung began making public plans for its blockchain and cryptocurrency software development kit, the SDK, although it claimed that a wider release of the blockchain key store SDK would not take place until the end of 2019. Users were still able to pay for a pilot program, which again included wallets like the baked-in wallet on the Samsung Galaxy. On August 13, 2019, Samsung revealed its future support for Bitcoin functionality. On the developer page for early access users of the key store, a table detailing supported cryptocurrencies was serendipitously changed to reference support for the Bitcoin and Clayton. Oh man. Bitcoin and Clayton blockchains along with the existing support for Ethereum. This support is limited to the Galaxy S10e, S10, S10 Plus, S10 5G, Note 10, and Note 10 Plus, and is only available to Samsung users in Canada, Germany, South Korea, Spain, Switzerland, the U.S., and the U.K. Although this edition of Bitcoin support seems fairly tepid at the moment, it's worth keeping in mind that all of these plans are still in the beta stage. However, with Samsung investing millions into off-site wallet developers in April 2019, it, became, it seems clear that there are concrete steps in motion to imbue Samsung products with greater blockchain and cryptocurrency support. So, takeaway, it's not in the damn phone yet. Okay, it's not in the phone. The next phone that they that they mint or 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 found and put in a box and shipped to you is not going to have that support yet. It'll come. Be patient. Just be patient. All right, hold on here. Okay, uh, Marie Hulet is writing for Coin Telegraph, uh, August the fifteenth. That would be yesterday. She says, Malaysia's electric utility says Bitcoin miners stole $25 million in power. <laughs> Malaysian power utility firm Tanaga National BHD, uh, TNB, let's just call it TNB, is tightening measures in a bid to stem the millions lost to electricity theft by Bitcoin miners. According to an August 15th report from local real estate news site EdgePop, Tampered electricity distribution boards used in local Bitcoin mining operations have cost TNB $25.3 million U.S. as of June 2019. There have been 437 cases of mining-related power theft in Pinsinilar, Malaysia. Over this time period, 370 of which recorded in the state of Selangor, TNB is the sole electricity firm in Pensular, Malaysia, and also the largest publicly listed power company in Southeast Asia. Really? That's really interesting. <clears throat> With $23.6 billion in assets. According to TNB Metering, Distribution Network General Manager, CT Sarah Johanna Mod Said, sorry, that's not part of the name, said the firm will take legal action against account holders, which affect premise, uh, premise owners, even in cases where the theft has been perpetrated by their tenants. Oh, oh, dude. Quote, a letter of demand will be issued to the owner of the premises account after we disconnect the electric supply. Under Section 37 of Malaysia's uh, Electricity Supply Act, those charged with, with power theft face a maximum penalty of $24,000 U.S. and three years imprisonment. The firm is limited in its actions to being allowed to disconnect power supply for a maximum of three months. It can, however, file claims for payments owed dating back as far as five years. In a bid to protect premise owners, TMB has recommended they temporarily transfer their TMB to their tenants' names. That's what I would do. 
As reported earlier this month, Malaysian authorities raided 33 premises related to Bitcoin mining after detecting they were stealing power at a cost to the firm of $761,000 U.S., While Malaysia permits Bitcoin mining and trading with no restrictions, the country's central bank has issued a statement that Bitcoin is not considered to be legal tender and that users are poorly protected from fraudulent schemes and operational risks. This summer report or this summer reports emerged that police in China had reportedly gathered evidence of people laying cables via fish ponds to steal oil well power to fuel their Bitcoin mining. Steel oil. Oh, man, that's just bizarre. In February, a group of suspects were arrested in the German city of Klingenthal, Saxony, after being accused of stealing over $3 million worth of electricity to operate a mining farm. So (laughs) I probably shouldn't laugh because if that shit continues, you know, you just you just. You're just beating, you know, beating a bear in the back of the head at that point. And they're yeah. Don't steal electricity, guys. Come on. All right. Let's see. Uh, Anything else here? Oh, yeah. Maryland targets uh, trading platform fraud as it joins crypto sweep effort. This is Daniel Kuhn writing yesterday for Coindesk. Maryland Attorney General Brian Frosch said Wednesday that the state securities market watchdog will become part of an international effort to crack down on cryptocurrency-related fraud. The state is the latest to join Operation Crypto Sweep, an initiative led by the North American Security Administration's Administrators Association, NASA. As part of the second wave of the operation, 35 enforcements have been taken and nearly 100 more are pending to date. According to the Maryland's top enforcer, the number of cryptocurrency-related scams has climbed in recent months. Accordingly, the Maryland Securities Division has taken an enforcement action against a crypto a crypto promotion scam promising 150% returns on investments. Ah. <laughs> Last week, Texas, oh, hey, it's my state. Last let's see what let's see what kind of ludic- ludicrous shit Texas did today. Last week, Texas officials announced they have taken four emergency actions against crypto firms since June. Both gov- governments attribute the or attribute the surge in malicious initial coin offerings and crypto-related investment products to the rising price of Bitcoin and the publicity that followed Facebook's move to launch a cryptocurrency called Libra. Quote, cryptocurrency investments are risky. Nah, no shit. Investors should be extra cautious when dealing with promoters who claim their offering does not have to be registered with securities regulators, Frost said in a statement. He continued to say returns of 150% are as rare as Bigfoot. A reference to the platform Maryland is moving to sanction. <laughs> the division has also created a helpline and educational videos and yada, yada, yada. And that, that pretty much does it for that one. So, uh, well, of, of course, the scams are never going to end, man. They're, they're, they're always going to be here. Um, and, but Here's the thing is that scams have a tendency to die off. Anna Alexandra writing for Coin Telegraph tells us exactly that. Crypto exchange Poloniex to delist 23 trading pairs due to low volume because they're shit. San Francisco based cryptocurrency exchange Poloniex is going to remove 23 trading pairs ostensibly due to low volume. In a tweet published on August the 15th, Poloniex announced that it will be removing 23 trading pairs on August the 16th. God, that's just today. That was was quick. Due to low volume, after removing each asset will continue to be independently tradable, the exchange notes. The list of pairs slated for removal is 
LTC XMR, Dash XMR, Zec XMR, Made XMR, Next XMR, BCN XMR, LSK ETH, GNT ETH, Mana ETH, Qtum ETH, Steam ETH, Omegod ETH, Loom ETH, Scent ETH, CVC ETH, KNC ETH, Gas ETH, BNT ETH, Loom USDT, SNT USDT, KNC USDT, BNT USDT, and Foam USDC. Earlier this year, Polonix announced that starting from May 29th, it will stop offering trading of Ardor, Ardor, Bitcoin, Decred, Game Credits, Gas, Lisk, Next, OmniLayer, and Augur for its customers in the United States. At the time, Polonix said that the decision was motivated by the uncertain regulatory environment in the country. Quote, specifically, it is not possible to be certain whether U.S. regulators will consider these assets to be securities. End quote, the exchange tweeted. Conversely, Coinbase Pro tweeted on August the 5th that its XTZ's USD and XTZ BTC trading pairs will be will soon enter transfer only mode accepting inbound transfers of XTZ in supported regions however the company noted that orders cannot be placed or filled at press time adding that order books will be in transfer mode for a minimum of 12 hours so shit pairs just getting thrashed i mean uh, yeah just let them die man just let them die um okay there's some there's some uh, BTC FUD going out there. Uh, I like WAN. I really do. Uh, I think she's. I think she's pretty much top notch. But her vasivery in this whole Ponzi thing over the last couple of days has got me a little concerned, especially the the direct uh, calls to um, uh, exchanges with address listings, begging them to halt anything, any coins, BTC coins flowing in and out of those addresses. And it was also for others. We'll get into that in a little bit. Um, I, even I made the mistake of, of retweeting that. Okay. Let that sink in. I've, I screwed that up. Um, the coins should not be stopped because this is a fungibility situation. And, Frankly, we have tools that are coming out all the time, like Wasabi Wallet and, you know, people, you know, like uh, Samurai and different technologies that those developers are creating, like CoinJoin and all the other stuff that will help in the future of fungibility. But outright calling for a ban on Bitcoin to be moved because it was stolen in a Ponzi scheme, as much as I don't like Ponzi schemes and I don't like thieves, Riding that skateboard is going to get you trashed. Is no, stop it, stop it, stop. Okay, so what's the actual deal? All right, well, I'm going to read this one by Adrian Zmudzinski. Adrian Zmudzinski. I'm almost getting these guys. I'm almost there. He's writing for or Coin Telegraph. Researchers say Bitcoin price drop not caused by three billion dollars U.S. BTC dump. Bitcoin's price recent price drop has not been caused by a Bitcoin sell-off from a three billion dollar Chinese Ponzi scheme plus token, according to researchers at crypto analytics firm Token Analysis. As Bloomberg reports on August the 15th, co-founder of London-based cryptocurrency analytics firm Token Analyst 
Sid Shikar said that the Bitcoin dump by the plus token operators cannot be the cause of the recent price drop. Notably, the firm did not find any evidence that plus token moved any significant amounts of Bitcoin to any known exchange addresses. He says, quote, it doesn't look like any of these addresses are exchange owned. So that was enlightening. We'll keep an eye on this to see if they do move hundreds of millions into exchanges at some point in in quote. I'm sorry, the findings dispute recent claims by founding partner of blockchain-based investment company Primitive Ventures, Dovey Wan, who suspects Plus Token has been selling great quantities of Bitcoin. However, token analysts analyzed Plus Token's transactions on the Bitcoin blockchain and found that thousands of Bitcoins were sent to online mixing services to obfuscate the origins of the coin. Well, of course. Much of the scammers' money filtered into mixing-type services about a month ago, Shakar added, as Cointelegraph reported in July, Venutu, a Pacific Island country, has extradited six Chinese citizens arrested in the course of an ongoing investigation of Plus Token to the mainland. Okay, so Dovey was concerned about all these coins that were moving and the high-level amount of BTC was moving around. Um, she was convinced, it seems, it seems that she was convinced that these were exchange addresses, reached out to the exchanges with the addresses, some of the exchanges, and I think one was Binance, wrote her back basically saying, we ain't doing dick. These, these coins will flow. And the, now, so token analyst seems to be saying that these addresses are not exchange addresses. Well, I mean, unless you, and you know, I don't know, there, there may be other ways to know, but whatever. Of course, these coins are going to go to a mixing service. So that's the other takeaway. We were just talking about that, right? Mix your coins, people, if you can. I mean, if you don't, you know, like I don't need to mix my coins right now, but soon I'm going to have to. If I've even, even on, I just don't like making transactions right now. It's for me, that's not what I want to be doing. It makes me, it, I, I always get nervous when I'm typing it or uh, putting in addresses and rereading them and, and checking them against. And every time I hit send, I'm like, ah, like I need a hit of like CBD oil or something like that to calm me down. Um, so I, I don't do it. But if I get wind that somehow or another, I may not be able to mix my coins in the, in the future because reasons, you'll be damned. I, damn Skippy, I'm going to be mixing my coins. So, and I might need to get Matt O'Dell to help me with that. He seems to know more about that than anybody else on the face of the planet. Uh, and okay, well, other than that, man, that does it for your morning roundup. God, that was long. Okay, vital statistics. Clearly, we're in the, you know we're kind of in the dumps. Bitcoin is trading at around ten thousand one hundred fifteen dollars. It looks like the low is going to be at Coinbase. No, actually, it's going to be over at. Yeah, it's going to be over at P two P B two B at ten thousand and sixty six dollars. The high is going to be over at. Uh, Oh, Simex has it at ten thousand one hundred and seventeen. Three hundred eighteen thousand transactions have been sent over the last twenty-four hours, with an average transaction of, per hour of thirteen thousand two hundred. Under a million BTC have been sent in that time. Nine hundred thirty thousand. 
38.7,000 BTC have been sent uh, per hour on average with an average transaction value of 3 BTC and a median transaction of 0.025 or about 257 bucks US. Block time is a bit low at 9 minutes and 36 seconds. Looks like 0.33 BTC are being taken in fees on a per block basis and about 50 BTC are being, have been taken over the last 24 hours in fees. We've had an increase in hash rate of 0.83%, uh, bringing us to 78 exahashes per second. My God. Uh, looks like the last GitHub commit to the Bitcoin code was sometime this morning. Ethereum is at 183. Bcash is at 308. Litecoin is at 74. BSV is at 135. Ethereum Classic is at five and a half. Dogecoin is at 0 0.0026. So even the beloved dog is getting crushed in the streets. Wow, that's kind of odd. Uh, does he beat anybody? Does he beat it? No, our doggy doesn't beat anybody in transactions of the last 24 hours. Although it did come close to Litecoin. They're actually neck and neck. Uh, Dogecoin is at 23,600. Litecoin is at 23,700. So there's only a 700 or a 100 transactions over on Litecoin over the last 24 hours. Mempool, what do we got? I got nothing but a whole bunch of over one megabyte blocks. We are 11 blocks deep into the mempool, and there's going to be 17,500 unconfirmed transactions as of 10.07 a.m. That's central daylight time. Uh, so that's going to do it for your vital statistics. All right, continuing on with punk rock week, which is what this has turned into. How about some sex pistols? <laughs>
so unkind to Her Majesty. Oh, well, it was the 70s. What are you going to do? Although, if you, if, you li- if you listen to that song again and go back you know, to the very front and listen to the, the opening bars of this tune, I know, I, I just know where the Ramones were stealing their sound from, man. I mean, actually, I don't think they were stealing their sound. I just think that there was, there was so much about the Ramones that I, that I can hear in those, that first few opening bars. And it's just like, it's interesting listening to Sex Pistols and just thinking of the Ramones because that's just the way it seemed to work for me. Okay, The Daily Train Wrecked. And I'm going to see how I can do this without completely screwing this up because there's there's a lot here. So this is just going to be brought to you by uh, Coindesk's Daniel Kuhn. Uh, so Daniel is the engineer of our train ride today as we drift off into the inevitable train wreck that is to come. He's writing this as of yesterday. U.S. Judge Beth Bloom has denied a request by Craig Wright to scuttle a lawsuit filed against him because of his past testimony and his credibility before the court, according to a court filing from August the 15th. On April the 15th, Wright filed a motion challenging the Southern District of Florida's jurisdiction over an ongoing lawsuit pursued by the estate of Wright's former business partner, the late David Kleeman. Kleeman's brother, Ira, alleges Wright has transferred 1.1 million Bitcoin, approximately $11 billion at press time, under his control through fraudulent contracts, emails, and business relationships. The lawsuit, first filed in 2018, has resulted in back-and-forth claims between the two sides and a combative court appearance, appearance by Wright himself. Wright has claimed in the past to have invented Bitcoin through the pseudonym Satoshi Nakamoto, a claim that has been attacked by numerous critics. Wright, in turn, has pursued legal action against such critics, though in recent days a court tossed out of lawsuit filed by investor Roger Ver. Wright argues that the court does not have subject matter jurisdiction over the proceedings because an entity oversight was granted on Florida-based W&K Info Defense Research, a now defunct firm, had a foreign national as, quote, director. Specifically, Wright claims Yuan Gwyn, a Vietnamese national, as outside the jurisdiction of the court. Wright previously claimed not to have contact with Wynn since 2016. In her motion, Judge Bloom states that Wright, quote, failed to provide any credible evidence showing a lack of diversity, end quote. She continued to explicate contradictory evidence Wright put forth showing Wynn's relationship to W&K. Bloom provides five statements where Wright obfuscates the ownership structure of W&K. At varying points, he said that only Kleeman owned WOK, that he and Kleeman split ownership, and that he has no idea who the owners are. She or were. She calls Wright's arguments for dismissal, quote, novel, as he seems to argue that even through Though his numerous conflicting statements are the very reason confusion has been created, the court should nonetheless use these statements as a basis to challenge the court's subject matter jurisdiction, end quote. In weighing the evidence, the court simply does not find the defendant's testimony to be credible. Now, Bloom said, Wright insists that, quote, three additional parties may be members of W&K, and these persons and entities destroy jurisdiction. 
After a careful review, Bloom found Wright's evidence for supporting that claim that when his ex-wife Lynn Wright and the liquidated firm CoinEx were party to W and K as insufficient. In particular, she found emails purportedly written between Wright and Kleeman, as well as business regulations submitted as evidence as, quote, extremely speculative. In a paragraph break, Bloom notably quotes Sir Walter Scott's Marmion. Oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. Whoa, Nellie, when a judge takes time out of her day, when she's writing the, 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 her thoughts and, and you know, the, writing the motion and takes time to insert a literary quote that literally tells the client that he or the, the defendant or whatever, he, I guess he's the defendant in this case, that he's clearly lying. Man, that's, that says something. That's that. I don't know, man. There's something about that that just kind of sends chills down my spine that thank God there's at least some other sensible people in the world that understand that this guy is a fraud. He's a liar. He's a serial liar. He's done. I don't know between. I mean, what else is there between fraud and lying? If you're a fraudster and a liar, I mean, I guess the only thing left is to become a homicidal maniac. I don't know, man, how much bad it can get, but what, you know, whatever this, this judge basically just blew everything kind of right out of the water. So, um, just to continue, uh, we're going on here further bloom states that the federal district court, in fact, have subject matter jurisdiction over, uh, over civil actions where the amount in controversy exceeds $75,000 us. And the suit is between citizens of different states. So yeah, she crushed him on that one. Anyway, it doesn't look good for, for right. And that means that I'm happy. I, I, I know I don't want to revel in the misery of others, but Craig is, is a different, is a different deal altogether and screw that guy. The smoldering pile lays in the corner. Oh man. Okay. So people are starting to send me jokes and I love it. Uh, Dave underscore Parrish, who's uh, a really great listener of the show. He's always bottle tipping me like some Satoshis. And it's really, it's just always really great to see. Um, he sent me a flat ass joke and also some sats too, man. It's cool. Here we go. Why is the dentist business doing well? Because his customers had bitcoins. See, it's freaking terrible. And in this case, it makes it even exceptionally more groan worthy because it's so esoteric. I mean, you really, I mean, and you tell that joke to anybody outside cryptocurrency and they'll just look at you cross-eyed. So esotericism actually comes into really bad joke, except watch out for the esoterics because you really limit your audience on, on esotericism. So beware. But for those that are in the community, that makes for an excellent, excellent icing on the cake that is this absolutely awful 
awful joke. Well, show's running long. Show's running long. We're at like right at about one hour and eight minutes in. Um, so, you know, it's the weekend. Y'all be careful. Do not get on a boat. I'm I'm seeing even more references to Bitcoins going out on Bitcoiners going out on boats. Don't do that. Um, leave your if you if you have to go on a boat. Make sure you leave your private keys somewhere safe. And that does not mean the glove compartment of the boat. Otherwise, you'll end up with a tragic boating accident. So don't do it. Um, I hope everybody has an absolutely stellar weekend. Uh, Sorry about uh, Wednesday's show. It was really rough. I'm on a different schedule altogether now. Uh, because my kids are have gone back to school. Wednesday was their their first day at school, and it, the whole thing I'd been used to schedule for the summer, and now it's like a different wake up time and dragging ass. Anyway, I, I do sincerely apologize for the roughness of Wednesday's show. My God Almighty, I'm surprised I survived it. Um, let's see anything else going on. Uh, where are we at price just so we can cap it off? We're at 139. This is out of, um, oh my God, Bitstamp. Bitstamp has a Bitcoin listed at uh, 10,133.19 as of 10.22 a.m. Central Daylight Time. Other than that, guys, I'm going to see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and... And I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.